Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. Good enough equals happiness. Like there's always opportunity for growth. And sometimes the growth is learning to withhold shame and judgment from yourself. Here's a pro tip. If you are struggling and you're struggling over and over and over and over again with the same thing or similar things, don't try harder because that hasn't worked in the past. You've already tried harder and harder and harder and you've tried again and again. Back off and make it easier first. Welcome to the Afternoon Snack Podcast. I am your favorite host, Alex. Today we are going to be talking about perfectionism and why it's a problem. Mind-blowing. We are actually anti-perfectionists and instead are replacing perfectionism with work in progress because we believe that equals happiness. Replacing self-judgment with self-compassion, the all-or-nothing mindset with the all-or-something mindset, and living in the gray area. This might be controversial to say, but it turns out good enough might actually be good enough. So I don't want to give it all away. Here we go. I love how we have a holiday. Like today is a holiday. Tomorrow is also a holiday. And what do we do? We're like, let's record a podcast. But podcasting isn't really like that much work. For no. It's like a fun, it's like the fun work. And then also the beauty of having like a flexible job is that we can like spend the morning mountain biking and then work a couple hours in the afternoon and it still feels like a holiday. You just do a little dabble. You just like dip your toe into work. <laughs> you just, yeah, dabble is the right word. I think that's just kind of like, look, I got uh, an auto responder because like, when we take holidays off, especially if they definitely if they overlap with like what is normally a check in day, almost always send an email. I would say except for like the Christmas holidays, which people I think everyone knows that you take days off. If it's Canada Day, given that like half of our clients are American, I'm like, this one needs an email reminder. So usually we'll send an email out that's like, by the way, hey, it's a holiday. So if you don't hear from us, please don't message me. We'll talk on this day and this day. Yeah, I just I don't like leaving people hanging. But I got an autoresponder from a client who is on vacation in Italy. And her autoresponder was basically like, I will be away from email from this date to this date, which was like two weeks. And was like, circle back with me after I'm back. By the way, I'll be deleting all emails that come during this time. So please actually do circle back. Otherwise, you won't hear from me. And I was like, what a boss yeah, I was like, I mean, I don't think I have the confidence to put that kind of autoresponder on. Yeah. I'm more like, hey, I won't be checking my email for a couple of days, but feel free to send me as many emails as you want and call me or text me. I may not pick up, but I will get back to you as soon as I can. <laughs> I'm so sorry for not being available. Look, yeah. there was a period of time where there was like legitimate guilt for taking time away because we are like customer service. Like we work with clients. Like it does. I feel still like a have a deal. lot of guilt. Yeah. I and it's it. like trying to make, I, I think that, okay, we get Monday off, which is a typical check-in day. I should do check-ins now on Tuesday, but that's becoming more and more difficult for us because we do work on the other days that aren't as client facing. Yeah. So it's like, 
doing the Monday work on Tuesday takes the Tuesday work then gets pushed to Wednesday. Right. It's really chaotic. I mean, it's already when we take time off from work, it, it's not like you get to take time off. It just piles up. Yeah. And it's actually, it's nice to get an actual day off sometimes, even if on that day off we were recording a podcast yeah. like we're doing now. But the last few days have been really good. It was, so Canada Day is, it was Saturday and July 4th is tomorrow. So there's kind of this awkward like holiday time and we committed to to doing some outdoor activities. And it was a really beautiful weekend here in Fernie. And that also coupled with at least my sort of new practice with social media, which essentially maybe about a month ago, I started noticing my social media use a little bit. Even though I have been telling her this for years. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so I had decided to maybe take or definitely take one day off per week. So on Sunday, just a weekend day where like, I don't even open the app. It just stays closed. And then I heard on one of Brad Stahlberg's podcasts a while back, he was talking about the way that he implements like technology limits with his clients. And basically you don't say like, you can't use social media, you can't do this. And it's, it's, we talk about this all the time. It's generally not a good idea to create voids in your routine. So just to like, cold turkey stop doing something is really hard. So instead of that, it's you can do this, but we're going to set some parameters around it. So for social media, and I'm just sharing this because I know a lot of people also struggle with social media usage. Like it's just this thing that you like pick up and like sort of mindlessly do whenever you get a, a free break and it doesn't always feel good to allow something to have that much power over your mind. This is how much power Instagram. And I noticed this a few months, like many months ago when I was trying to like take a break from it, I moved my app onto the back screen, like, you know, their home screen, you have to swipe yeah. if you have lots of apps. I was clicking on whatever app had taken its place, just like completely unconsciously. Mm -hmm. I was just like, why am I on CIBC? Wait a minute. Yeah, that's where Instagram used to be. Yeah. So for me, I decided to implement hourly limits. So basically like the first 30 minutes of every hour I can use social media. I can do Instagram. I can be on Facebook. I can be on Twitter, like just kind of managing our accounts. And then the second half is off. And that's basically like, that's all I need. I think I might whittle that down to like 20 or, you know, even 15 minutes, which would be enough. And that has opened up a lot of like mental space for creating, actually, like ironically creating content for social media. There, That's easier with spending less time on it. And working and then just being present with the people who we are with. Like I, when my dream one day is to maybe not have a social media account and just be, just be. And that's like, that's been something that has become like very tangible or not like I can do it soon, but I, I notice the difference. I notice how my mind and how I shift. And taking, we take Sundays completely off Yeah, social media. So it's been good. I think if you're someone who does struggle, like that's a really, like take one day off. Honestly, if you don't have to be on it for work, take a week off. Take two weeks off. Treat it as an experiment and yeah. see how you feel. Not as like a punishment almost. It's like, just do it to see how you feel. And if you like it, then like maybe implement something that's a little bit more sustainable if you want to be on it in, to some degree. But and if you hate it and it's like, hey, I really I actually really, really enjoy social media because it does help me feel connected and I, yeah. I don't get to see people face to face. So then, yeah, maybe it's like figuring out how it's useful for you and, and when 
you can find the time and where it's not taking away in the, the right balance. Yeah, 100%. But if you're just like doom stro- scrolling news outlets and Fitzbo accounts, I don't know how useful that actually is. That's my thing with social media recently. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. It there is a lot of good on it. I will say that. Yeah. We're on it. So <laughs> Okay, so the problem with perfection. That's what we're doing today. Yeah. Cool. Are you a perfectionist? I am in some ways. Yeah, I actually am. What ways are those? I get really hung up on details with creative projects of mine, so much so that it has at times inhibited progress. And Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. So for Instagram videos that we put out almost every day, I shoot those. Those are things that I record, whether it's me and them or you and them. I'm behind the camera usually. And I edit those. So that's on like Adobe Premiere. And then I caption them. So the closed captioning that you see on videos has historically been me. And maybe a month or so ago, an an app called Captions that does, it's like an AI app and it does your captions for you. And I actually figured out how to load our brand font into that app. So we use a font called Degular for you font people out there. And that's that's what I've historically used to caption videos. And I found like it looked pretty similar to what I was doing. Like there's just a few things that are different, but I felt this like it wasn't perfect. And so I didn't do it for a long time. It wasn't exactly the way I would do it if I were to type the captions myself. But the problem is like for a, for example, for a a 45 second video to caption that the way that I like and get the timing right, it would take me about probably at least 30 to 60 minutes to do it in Adobe. And so there was this thing that existed that could do it for me almost as well, not quite, but I ch- I chose not to do it for a long time because it wasn't perfect. And that actually prohibited me from making more content and putting more of my time and energy and brain power into creating as opposed to typing up captions in Adobe. I am using that app now and now it's it's freed up that time, but there was like this resistance because I'm like, ooh, it's not perfect. But that's really like, I don't know if that's perfectionism or like an OCD thing, but I, that is when we were discussing this before recording that, that popped into my head. I'm sure it's, they probably over like OCD is something that impacts your life in a negative way. And that is probably somewhat, I mean, I'm not a psychologist, but a degree of like, well, maybe not perfectionism, but like this, like control and compulsion. Yeah. So there's probably some overlap, but it can take away from like doing things that are more productive. I think with many mental health problems, there are two sides to the coin. There's the side that is like highly productive and creates really does things at a really high level. And then there's the side that is, yeah, compulsive and it's a negative thing. Yeah. That was, yeah, for sure. I think a lot of us have this idea that like perfection is necessary for progress or just for being accepted or it's a representative of our self-worth when like I just don't think that's the case. And like I think a lot of us fall into the trap of beating ourselves up when we make a mistake. Yeah. And like mistakes aren't great. I don't think we anyone wishes to make them. I think it's easy to say like, oh, mistakes are a learning opportunity. And mm-hmm. they are. And that's, and that's comforting to say when you have just made one. But I don't think it ever resonated with me until, and we've talked about this before, like we own this business that requires a lot from us, a lot of like different jobs, a lot of like, 
you know, our brains are switching constantly between like email admin, client onboarding, managing coaches. And like, I love it. I love that there are so many different jobs, but sometimes I miss. Sometimes I miss checking in with a client one day. Sometimes I miss responding to an email. Sometimes I send an email to the wrong person and or you make mistakes on invoicing or whatever it may be. There's a lot of mistakes that happen yeah. because you're doing a lot. And I've, I remember just beating myself up. I remember there was, even as a, like a, a law student at this law firm, I once sent an email and I had changed the language over and over and over and I ended up sending it with a typo. My mentor was like, hey, by the way, there was a typo in that email. And it was like one of the first emails I was allowed to send to an actual client. Yeah. And I, it still sticks with me. That just like feeling of just like, I am awful. Like I really just, I hated myself for it. I just let that, I let that follow me around. Yeah. And I think to some degree, I have that in this business. Like if I miss it really, it sticks with me for a really long time. We watched this YouTube video and it's called, it's on YouTube. It's a TED talk. It's called Move Your Bus. And it's all about kind of the people you have in place in your business. There's walkers and there's riders and there's runners. And the runners are the people in the business that you want. They help push your business forward. They're running alongside the bus, kind of pushing the bus and fall, you know, like, and propels your business forward. But the thing about runners is like, they're doing a lot. There's a lot of balls in the air. And if there's a lot of balls in the air, you're going to drop one. That doesn't make you unproductive. That doesn't make you a failure. You still have a lot of balls in the air. And that's something to be proud of. And you're still moving the bus. You're still a runner. It wasn't until I I saw that video that it actually made me feel really good. Like I might send the wrong email to a client or miss an attachment or send a a plan in Word instead of PDF, which I still did. And I'm like, what a rookie move. (laughs) Yeah. And I like things to look tight. And I expect that type of professionalism from the people who work from us. Yeah. But I'm not perfect. I'm a human being. And the more that I wanted to be perfect and the more I beat myself up over those small mistakes, the more it took away from me moving forward and making fewer mistakes in the future. Like the more that you just, you get so like sad about these mistakes and you just consistently beat yourself up, the less productive you are in that next hour or two hours. Like, yeah, acknowledge that you made a mistake because you don't want it to happen again, but move forward. And that's not like settling like, oh, I made a mistake. It's not a big deal. It's not that. It's like, okay, I made a mistake. Mental note. Don't do that again. Fix it. Maybe you put something in place to prevent that from happening. And then you move forward. This idea of perfectionism, it just takes away from so much. Yeah. And we see it a lot from our clients. It's this all or nothing. It shows up a lot in the all or nothing mentality. Again, like it's it's all for a period of time. And then as soon as it's nothing or it's one miss, it's nothing. And then they quit. I think that, and it goes at odds, like perfectionism is ultimately at odds with self-confidence, self-acceptance and self-esteem. Yeah. Like I think people who walk through the world and are very self-confident, and I don't mean like, there's a difference between being confident and being cocky. I find people who are cocky, they can't even admit they make mistakes, but people who have high self-esteem and they walk through the world with, yeah, self-assurance, self-confidence, they accept the things that they do. They accept their failures. They own them. And they still are willing to celebrate the things that they're doing right and the things that they're doing really well. And I think that's when people are so they're trying to be so self-disciplined and they're trying to practice so much self-control, they actually forget to celebrate the little things that contribute ultimately to them becoming the person that they want to be, presumably if they're setting goals in that way. Whereas celebrating those things that you're doing right is a a very important part of wellness, to be frank, like mental health, 
developing self-esteem, developing confidence. So it's like, it's kind of like being self-disciplined, but don't carry a, a lot of shame when you screw up because that's just a part of the human experience. I don't think anyone's perfect. Yeah. I read this book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Oh, you is mean that the, what it's the best book is, ever written? Is that the title? Yeah, How to Win Friends and Influence so, People. And this was really big for me as a person who has no experience managing people and now having a team of people who work with us. It was a story where there was a guy who owned a plane. I'm sure I'm just going to butcher this, but I'll get the gist of it out. He had a mechanic or something working on the plane and made a pretty bad error. And to the point where like the plane could have crashed. Comes down, he tells the guy like, you made this huge mistake. You, you forgot to do this part. In the story, he says kind of to the audience, like most people would expect that I would fire that person. But I didn't because that person will never, ever, ever, ever let something like that ever happen again. And that makes him valuable. And to me, I was like, holy moly, like, that's incredible. It's all about learning. It's all about moving forward. And, and it's not like this guy, like the guy's going to braid him. All you need to do is say like, hey, you, this was a, a miss. Yeah. You don't need to say anything more. Like the guy knows, like he will never let that happen again. Yeah. Like we are harder on ourselves or at least most people than anyone else will be on us. You know, that was a great, great learning opportunity. Thankfully, no one got hurt, but that was that it was another story that kind of stuck with me. And that was like the beauty of imperfection. It makes you a better worker, a better person, a more, yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. If um, you're willing to observe and accept the mistakes that you make. Yeah. And take responsibility yeah. for it. There's definitely a subset of humans who will not do that. Yeah. yeah. And those are, those are people who are hard to, to deal with. But, you know, we get people who sign up with us and they're excited and they start a new endeavor and they think that because they've hired someone and they're investing in this, that things will go perfectly. But the fact of the matter is like nothing has really changed except now you've hired someone to help you. It doesn't automatically change you and negate the struggles that you faced. You know, sometimes we get people who just need someone to keep them accountable and that's all they need and they do great. But the majority of people, they have this expectation that because they're putting money into something, it's going to all of a sudden be easy when it's not. And so when they run into those same struggles that they've hit in the past, lack of motivation, trouble fitting it into their life, whatever it may be, they quit because it's not the way that they wanted it to be. It's not perfect. I would go so far as to say that... When you hire a coach, especially, I guess, if you hire us, I can only speak because I, I know what we do and I know what our team does. Things will get harder before they get easier. A lot of people's issues with nutrition and making lifestyle changes is that they can't manage, they can't deal with friction by themselves. They don't understand. They've never really like stopped and looked at their own behavior, upset, like assessed why they make certain decisions. And in many times, like, even begun to understand what their relationship with food and exercise is. So all of a sudden, so you hire a coach and your things are going hunky-dory for the first week, two weeks, because your motivation is high. Maybe you you canceled your social plan so you don't have anything to work against. You're able to manage work stress, relationship stress, whatever it is. And all of a sudden, like something happens and you're thrown off and you're you know, on one level, maybe there's a level of embarrassment that, oh, shoot, I can't be perfect as if we care. I don't care. But then also you are forced to ask yourself hard questions. You're forced to when we ask hard questions about like, well, how did this make you feel? Like if you could go back, you know, what do you wish had been different? Like why we start working through the, 
you know, the struggles to start to unpack that, that's really, really hard. That's a lot harder than just like nailing it. So I think people have a hard time working through that initial phase of difficulty often. But I would say that that's a requirement for almost everyone to make meaningful change in their daily lives when it comes to nutrition and fitness, if they've if those are two areas that you've historically struggled with. Yeah, I think a more troubling situation with clients are when you're like, well, what happened? Like, what do you feel you could have done differently? Like, has this happened before? Is there something that you've done in the past that is, has helped? And it's like, I just need to tr- like, just, I just need to do it. I just need to have more discipline. And they're not even really even entertaining your questions or your, yeah. and it's like, those ones don't usually last that long. Cause it's like, I just need to try harder. I just, I'm, and you, or you get the people who stop messaging you. And then it's like, I'm wasting your time yeah. because I'm not doing it. And I'm like, well, no, like, this is why I'm here to have these conversations. Like, you're not wasting, you're wasting my time if you don't respond to me. <laughs> yeah. But like, true. you not doing it is, is, the fact that you're struggling is exactly why you hired me. Let's talk this through. I might be able to help. Yeah. And maybe I'm not. Maybe it's out of my scope. Maybe you need a therapist. Maybe you need something else, but maybe I can help. But if you don't even try, then, and maybe a conversation with me will lead you to the, like, hey, maybe it's a therapist that I need. But if you just say like, I'm wasting your time because I'm not perfect or I'm not doing what you set out in the plan, like the plan isn't coaching. Like no one gets it a hundred percent. And the people who do, it's very short lived. It's understanding that there are struggles are going to come. You always worry about the people who start out and they're just like textbook. You know, you're like, oh God, they're gonna blow. You're just <laughs> waiting for it. Yeah. It's usually the I don't want to generalize, but from my experience, it's it's perfect logs and then empty logs. Yes. You never see the in-between. No. And that that's for many reasons, but yeah. you have to uncover those reasons. And sometimes it's just getting used to seeing imperfect numbers and saying like, hey, that's okay. Yeah. I, I did something, not nothing. Not all or nothing, something. We did a post about this recently and it's when you set a goal or when you start a program or you hire a coach or whatever it may be, stopping and thinking for a second, what challenges may arise? And you may not be able to pinpoint that. And maybe you're you're running your first marathon or you've just started CrossFit or you're starting a new job and you don't even know what to expect. But it can still be helpful to say, when things get hard, what am I going to do? And for a lot of people, like quitting, you don't even put that on the table. Commit to a period of time. Like We have a six-month membership that is there really for people who just want to make a commitment to themselves for longer than a month. Cause maybe historically they've quit after two months. So it's like, I'm making this commitment and that can be something that maybe they thought through. Like my challenge is that I quit after two months, but having a six month membership will prevent that from happening. Or, you know, it's going to get really hard because in the summertime I travel a lot. So how am I going to navigate that? Tell your coach right away. Like, Hey, I am, I'm going to be traveling a lot this summer. Like are you going to be able to help walk me through this? Yeah. Yes. What's the plan for when this happens? Yeah. You might be able to hit all of your macros or track or whatever and hit all your workouts, but maybe you won't. And it's that maybe, and it's that having a plan, even if it's general Yeah. and, and committing to not giving up completely. Even if it's like, if I struggle, I'm going to reach out to you. That can be enough to just to like stop the ball from just like rolling down the mountain. Yeah. I mean, there's a big difference between being kind of off from what you would normally eat, maybe you're tracking macros, maybe you're not. And 
knowing that you're kind of off and then burning it down because you're like, what's the point? Well, the point is like, you might not be able to make the best decision if we're going to like say that there is a best decision to make in any scenario, but you can still make an okay decision or a better decision if the the best option is not available, which you can pretty much assume on vacation, it's probably not going to be available unless you're somewhere where you have a kitchen and are even interested in cooking your own food. Like if that's the experience that you want on vacation, sure, you can make the best decision. But most people, when they go on vacation, there's like an inherent amount of unpredictability that goes with it. And so accepting that and that it's not going to be perfect, but it's going to, it's going to be enriching in another way. That's really important though. That scenario can also play out day to day. Like you can leave your lunch on the counter and have to buy lunch out. You can have your company does like a last minute pizza thing that you have to go to. You get invited out with your boss and it's a thing that you don't want to turn down. Like there are these little scenarios that play out all of the time that offer an opportunity to make a better decision in the absence of making the best decision. Sometimes we, I feel like a broken record. And it's just like our messaging is over and over again, but it has to be because it takes so many times for it to sink into people's brains, yeah, including ourselves. Yeah. Here's a pro tip. If you are struggling and you're struggling over and over and over and over again with the same thing or similar things, don't, this is going to blow your mind. Don't try harder because that hasn't worked in the past. You've already tried harder mm-hmm. and harder and harder and harder. And you've tried again and again back off and make it easier first. How many times have we said that? I mean, how many times have we posted about that? Yeah. Brought it up on the podcast. Yeah, it has to. I mean, and it flies in the face of basically all the advice that you get on the internet from all of these, like, you know, David Goggins sort of spinoff types is like, you know, stay hard, try harder. It's supposed to suck. It's like they're saying to me for a lot of people, at least the people we work with is like, if something isn't working, keep trying it. That's the logic. That's the logic. And people are like, okay, but it's like, it's not working. So don't keep doing it. You're spinning on a a rat wheel. Yeah. And it's, you're making an assumption that like you even have the set of values required to, to do that. I I mean, that's the the infuriating thing about like the, the fitness and nutrition and lifestyle space online is that it's just flooded with these David Goggins types who like, frankly, their fucking brains are broken. They're not normal people, but this thing is so important to them that they're able to put out their shoes and get up at 3.30 in the morning and go run 40 kilometers. And they're able to say, stay hard because it's actually not hard for David Goggins to stay fucking hard. It may have been hard at the beginning. Maybe, maybe. And maybe there's a like a, a psychology there that would be worth unpacking about why it's so like, he's so maniacal with it. Like he's so driven to stay that. Why is that? Like, because there's probably a fear somewhere that he's going to slide back into the person that he was. But the reality is like most people are not David Goggins. Yeah. They're never going to be David Goggins. They have families, they have jobs, they have other values. They like going out with friends and having drinks on a patio and they just want to like do okay for the time and energy that they have to put into fitness and nutrition, but they just get fucking blasted with this messaging about like, you just got to want it. You just got to work hard. You just got to go one more, go one more, stay hard. And it's like, that is horrible advice. For most people it is. For most people. Horrible advice. And And what it does is leaves people just sitting still and just soaking in this like self-judgment 
like, because they can't do it. Yeah. And this like comparison, it's like, why can't I do that? It's like, because you're not like, and a lot of people feel alone in that. Yeah. And that's, we'll talk about this social media for you, but most people aren't David Goggins, but you know what? Like David Goggins is what shows up on your feed every day. Do we? So even, yeah, like, it looks like there's like a lot more of it than there actually yeah. is. Do we even know who David Goggins is? Like, what if, what if that's like literally just a, a public persona? What I mean, if that's a front stage self? I mean, I think that he's legit. I think, I think he's legit. But he yeah. But there are tons of like you put David Goggins on a shelf and say that guy is a, a freak of nature. Very impressive, by the way. This is not to take anything away from what that dude has accomplished because it's incredible. But like there are tons of people out there who are parading around as David Goggins types who most likely don't actually live a life that is anything at all like the one that they put on social media. Yeah. Or all they're showing is this like idea of like, oh, look at how fit I am. Look at how hard I am in the, in the physical aspect or in the, like, I have so much mental grit, but like maybe the guy, and I'm not saying this is the true. And I'm not talking about David Goggins. I'm talking about anyone. Maybe they struggle and they don't, they can't maintain a relationship. You, yeah. But you would never know this. Well, this is like the melons post. This yeah. is what I mean. Like, you know, yeah, most people can, can hold two melons at once. But some people, especially on social media, they have both hands on one. Yeah. There's only one thing that matters to them. And it's the thing that you see and everything else in their life is shit. I guarantee you that some really high level CrossFitters, and I won't name names, they have two hands on one melon and the rest of their life looks okay because that's what they choose to show you. Yeah. And, but the, here's the thing with what you see on social media or even in your like friend group, you see that person who has the perfect family. Because their kids behave when you're around, but oh, oh, they have they have the perfect family. Oh, this friend over here, like they have this great fitness. Look at their body. Look at how they're excelling in in CrossFit. Look at this person over here who's just got this promotion, who makes all this money. Look at the house they just bought. And so, in your face, you're seeing all of these people who have everything. But if you actually look, or if you actually stop to think, or talk to people face to face, you understand you're not alone in struggling with one of those aspects, at least one of those aspects in any given time of your life, not even struggling, just not able to prioritize it in the way that your CrossFit friend is able to prioritize their fitness. Yep. But that's the thing. You're just inundated with this idea that everyone has it all together, but that's what you're seeing on social media. And that's, that's just not true. Everyone has something that most times of their life is not prioritized, which you, in also can mean that it's just like that, that they're maybe not like going to put it on social media. Do you think, Be like, people, Hey, you know what? I suck at my job right now. Yeah. Actually. You know what? My relationship right now is awful. You don't see that on social media. So really when your relationship is, is, is shit. Yeah. You're going to feel like you're alone and that sucks, yeah. but it's not the case. Do you think people think that we have it all together? Probably because they say it all the time. Oh, what do you, we did a post on perfection and they say, oh, who are you to talk about? Of course you can sit there and say, don't be perfect because you are perfect. And I'm like, the hell I am perfect. I have yeah. a lot of shit going on. And you know what? I don't share half of it. I try to share a lot to be like vulnerable and like a person, but there are things in my life I don't share. And like, yeah, like there are moments in my life where like, my relationship is not the priority. And that's been a struggle because I value work and I value fitness first in some times of my life. And it's the same for you. Sometimes your fitness 
isn't great. You you miss a ton of workouts because yeah. you're focused on me and your family or you're traveling for them and work. It's just like, it's a constant balance. And like, you know, some people can learn to balance it a little bit better than others. But I think this idea that everyone's got everything together is just, is just not true. No, there might be some people, but most, no. I think you, if, if that exists, you definitely have some help somewhere Mm -hmm. or like, I mean, and, and, you know, part of the, the post that we did about priorities and balancing priorities, that's really meant to say, like, when you're pushing, when you're trying to make progress, when you're, you're trying to get that promotion at work, you're trying to improve your fitness to compete at the CrossFit Games or, you know, do an Ironman, you're, you're trying to better your relationship. Like, there's a difference between maintaining and pushing. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you're not pushing, it is possible to maintain a balance between multiple priorities. But as soon as you start to to give something a lot of energy because it's important to you and you want to move forward with it, that's when the balancing begins. That's when you have to start to be okay with pulling back in certain areas, you know, not being the perfect partner, not being able to to get that promotion at work just because you got one a couple years ago. Like it's balancing. It's deciding what's important, what isn't, what values am I serving? Where am I going to be in five years? That kind of thing. And then with that is a lot of, you need a lot of self-compassion. It's not settling for like, oh, you know what? I'm never going to be as fit as I once was. It's like, hey, you know what? Right now, I just don't have as much time to work out as I used to. And that is okay because I'm putting more time with my family and I'm putting more time in with my career. That's okay with me. Instead of looking at it like, I can't do what I want to do with fitness, but this person over here can, and that makes me feel bad. And I'm failing at fitness and I can't compete and I can't lift what I used to lift. That's what a lot of people's brains do. I mean, and if it's you like, want me to talk about my experience, I can just do that. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. And what you see is a lot on social media, but I tell this a lot to my clients, like enough with the self-judgment, like replace yeah. that with self-compassion, understand the factors at play here. Yeah. You had a bad day of eating, but Hey, like, look at your job this week. It's been insane. Your boss is off and you've taken on all of these responsibilities. Your mom's visiting. You've been driving them around. Like, don't beat yourself up over missing workouts. Yeah. Don't beat yourself up over not hitting your macros or not having a great week in nutrition. Like, it's okay. You know what? What could you have done differently? Let's try to do that next week. Yeah. Given the circumstances. And that self-compassion isn't like, hey, you know what? You messed up. It's okay. Mess up again. It's like, hey, you messed up. Let's talk free from this distractive like judgment space and talk about what could be better later next time push forward yep. don't look back and that i think that self judgment just really just like just closes in on us and just represses us i i would say like that's my tip is like practice self compassion over self judgment and make it easier and it's 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 crazy because it does go against what you often hear what i've heard growing up but as i learn and grow into an adult where i have more priorities and more responsibilities that's what's required it's required from a mental health standpoint too like it improves your happiness like we we were laughing before this podcast when we were talking about the topics and we actually posted a while back like early on like good enough are the two most dangerous words in the english language (laughs) and now i'm like good enough is great yeah good enough equals happiness 
you know what? I did not nail every single conversation I had with clients, but it was good enough. And eventually over the course of the next month, I will have really valuable conversations with every single one of my clients, even though I didn't do that today because I'm human. Yeah, exactly. And maybe, you know, clients were distracted. I don't know what's going on in so-and-so's life when they messaged me back at 6 p.m. Opportunity missed, but we'll get, we'll catch you next time. Yeah. I think there's a difference between settling Mm -hmm. and like, uh, like honestly and legitimately letting yourself off the hook when you shouldn't do that. And then settling for good enough when you need to. Mm-hmm. Like there's always opportunity for growth. And sometimes the growth is learning to withhold shame and judgment from yourself when you don't do th- something. Yeah. Perfectly. I mean, that's, you know, when you're like, you can recognize when things are getting a little too comfortable and too easy and, and decide how to push outside of your comfort zone in whatever area you're working on. Like, I think that's good to do. I think it's good to constantly find new ways to challenge yourself, but you don't need to make it impossible. You don't need to do something that's like 10 out of 10 hard. You just sort of push outside of what you're currently doing and, you know, but it's still within, within your capability and that keeps you sharp. It keeps you progressing and it keeps it manageable versus like how many people set out goals that are, you're just like, why did you do that? Like, you know, whether it's an athletic goal or something and it just feels so unachievable. And frankly, like it is, it's too big. And it sucks to see somebody set a goal like that and then not see it through when you're like that you could have just set a smaller goal, a daily goal, a weekly goal, something that will move you in that direction. And maybe you can do that big thing, but maybe you'll have to wait a little while and do it in a couple of years. And that's okay too, because the process is going to be what changes you, not the accomplishment. A lot of people, unfortunately, see that sort of thing as failure. Yeah, I I think a lot of people have the wrong idea of what achievement actually gets you. They do think that achieving fill in the blank will change them as a person, but it's not. It's it's the it's the process of getting there that changes you as a person. It's not doing the Ironman or running the ultra or getting to the director level at your job that makes you into that person. It's all of the things that you did along the way. That's what changes you. It's the little things. It's not the big things. And the big things for for people who have no experience with that are just distracting and they highlight how difficult the process actually is. Mm-hmm. So it prohibits you from actually ever like doing anything at all to get there. Let's talk about social media for a minute, another minute. I mean, I love this topic. Okay. So I think that this is a topic that is a factor here because it's kind of what I just talked about. It's seeing perfection because on social media, we've known this for a long time. It's this like highlight reel. And we like to blame other people. Oh, this person, all they show is their, I just did it. I was like, that that person only posts all their CrossFit feeds. This person posts all their great family photos. This person posts like that they have all this money to buy all these great things. Everyone's just posting their highlight reel and no one makes me feel like a a great person, like a, a normal person who has struggles. But the problem is like, We're all doing it too. And what's probably creating more judgment and this like dissonance is the fact that Meredith and I have a fight. And then the next day (laughs) we're posting photos of us like camping or something. And it does, it's, it's like, it is, it's just kind of a yucky feeling. I don't know how to get rid of that. And I'm not saying we like, we're all living in this kind of like ebb and flow of like greatness and struggle. And in a day I can feel elated about my life. And then the next day I'm complaining. 
Yeah. But social media, all you like, even on my social media, I'm like, and my life looks pretty great. Yeah. All of my success, even things that are failures, like I managed to type a great caption to turn it into something that's like inspirational. Yeah. It's so stupid. I know. And it does, it kind of makes you almost feel bad. Just like, well, now I'm like, I'm struggling, but I gotta show that I'm doing this. Yeah. And that's, I'm not saying I, I, I'm more aware of that. And I'm sure other people are now more so. And social media is more than a highlight reel for a lot of things. Like you said, it could be a good thing for social justice movements and things like that. But I think that's another factor as well. And it, it's nice to be aware of like, yeah, I think there is a lot of like performative vulnerability on social media and you see it from time to time on, on different personalities accounts, they'll share something vulnerable and it almost feels like, look, I'm a real human. I struggle just like you. And I'm sure like, it's gotta be challenging to share that as, you know, depending on who you are as a person. Cause there's like a calculation, which is like, have I achieved enough do people look up to me enough for this to be something that will be inspirational or are they going to read it and just be like, Oh, and like feel bad for you. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, do, where do I fall? Do I fall on the inspirational side on the, of the line or like the pathetic side of the line when really like there is no line. It's just, you live your life. Everybody does struggle. Vulnerability is what ultimately connects us as human beings. Like it's, it's one of the few things that is actually universal in the human experience is is shame and vulnerability and struggle especially when you are struggling and and we both have struggled mightily in the past couple of years with a variety of things you know not to mention our like our relationship has been through the ringer in a few different ways and it's hard to want to continue to show up online and and be a voice of calm of inspiration of information to just show up and be like and be okay and even like, I mean, I don't know about you, but we have had some fights and we're doing a lot better generally than we were at one point. But it's really hard to be in the shit and then have to like talk to clients even and just like be a neutral voice, be supportive, like be the person that people are paying you to be when like all you want to do is go crawl up in a ball in the bed and weep. There's cognitive dissonance at every level when you're interacting virtually with people, but nothing that is as significant as what you experience online. And that can be, I mean, like you said earlier, on a, an individual level, a lot of people probably do experience, like I'm sharing the highlight reel, the best version of my life, and then behind the scenes, I'm a wreck. And so it just draws attention to, and in many ways amplifies the imperfection that people live with because it's like, well, I can't show that. I can't do that online. It almost feels like you're living a lie to some degree. Yeah. I mean, that's cognitive dissonance is that it's it's like a, a difference in realities. What you're experiencing is different than, you know, what you're experiencing over here is different than what you're experiencing over here or, the, you know, the lies that you're telling yourself about your own life. It's incredibly challenging. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, and this is very small scale, but it's like when you're really struggling and the person at the grocery store is like, how's your day going? And you're like, good. But thanks. also, can we but not like, you don't want to dump something on someone, but yeah. it doesn't, it also doesn't feel good to be like, great, good. How are you? I know, but it wouldn't feel good for that person to be like, you know what? Like I'm having one of those days where I just feel like my shit is falling apart. <laughs> you ever have those days? That's the thing is like, if you said that, they'd be like, oh yeah, I have those days. Opportunity for connection. Yeah. I do think as a society, we we do tend to glaze over the difficulties that we experience even day to day 
because there's so much people don't like to stand with you in discomfort, you know, like, yeah, it's difficult to when someone is struggling, it's a, a skill to not try to immediately like fix their problems or tell them all the ways that they should feel happy and satisfied with their life. Oh, we're, you know, you're doing such good work. Mm. You're doing this. Like you have everything, you have this to be happy for, you know, people immediately start to point out all the the good things because it's, they don't want to stand with you and your, your hard and your difficult moment. I think we're getting better though as a society. Slowly. To be like, you know what? That sucks. Yeah. But you can say, Hey, that sucks. And that can be the end of it. Yeah. You can say, are you, are you doing okay? Like, is there anything that I can do to help you? I've had those days versus like, oh, that sucks. And then they go on into like, well, this, well, this, well, this, well, this, like, I don't need to hear that. No one needs to hear that. Or you can say like, hey, do you want me to listen or do you want me to try to help right now? Yeah. And that's a good one. Do you want to be heard or do you want solutions? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people just want to be heard. And Mm -hmm. then the people who are, should be doing the listening, they jump straight to the solutions. Yeah. And it's like, that's not what I want. I just want you to stand here with me and yeah, cry. Like, I'm having a really hard time with my husband. It's like, oh, well, have you talked to him? And it's like, that's not the point. Yeah. No, I have <laughs> Just listen to me. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Are you having a hard time with your husband? Yeah. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. It's that you just can't assume anything in anyone's life. No. And just, just like, yeah, like we got it. We've been getting it a lot lately. Like, I have to be so careful about what comes out of my mouth on social media because what will happen is I'm not allowed to say certain things because of what people perceive my life to be. Yeah. And that, that sucks. Cause like, it's like saying like, you know, somebody who has a a certain look saying like, I have a body image issue isn't okay. And that's not me saying that it's just generally, you know, on paper. Yeah. Our, is our relationship great? Like, saying like, hey, you know, relationships can be hard. Well, you know, who are you to say that? You don't know what hard is. Well, you don't know what if I know what hard is. So that's just, you can't really assume anything in anyone's life because you don't know what people are putting out there. I think it's better than anything to just come at it in any conversation with from a place of curiosity and support. Yeah. Make no assumptions. Just like you would after listening to this podcast yourself. I hope so. Like one more thing is that that same amount of curiosity that we hope that you, all of our listeners take forward, like that is almost more valuable to apply to yourself in difficult moments too. Like when you're struggling, and again, you've already said it, like instead of self-judgment, take self-compassion, but like curiosity goes a long way too, especially if you're, you're struggling with your relationship with food specifically, like pause and get curious with certain reactions in different moments. Like- Lean into that discomfort. It's valuable. Yep. Well, the last two things are rely on other people. Connect in person. That is the best way to make you feel like you're not alone. And that I think that goes to that vulnerability and that sharing and just be open. Like everyone struggles and it's brave to share that. The people who I like when I have interactions with individuals, with people, whether it's it's friends that we have or it's, you know, friends that we make new interactions, the people who I'm drawn to, who I crave reconnection with are the ones who, who are open and vulnerable and they share their struggles with me. And they, they do it in a way that isn't like, woe is me. It's just like, yeah, it's my life. You know, this is how I struggle. And, you know, those people, I I find myself like, I gotta hang, I gotta be around that person again, because I just feel immediately more seen and more connected to. And like, it makes me feel safe. Like I can share 
the difficult things about myself. And I know that it, you know, a person who can be that open isn't going to judge anything that comes out of my mouth. Yeah. It's nice to be like, oh my God, me too. Right. <laughs> that feels good. It does feel good. It's like that, that thing when people say like misery loves company, it's kind of true. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be like, like just forever in misery <laughs> and you just, you know, snowball and cry and spiral and stuff. It's more just like, oh, we're in this together, but you know what? It will get better. Let's yeah, keep moving forward. Empowering. Yeah. I hope that perfection and whatever pedestal it's put on, which is stupid, is knocked off and replaced with work in progress. I wish the words work in progress were as positively looked at as this perfection. Yeah. They're perfect. They're successful. I am a work in progress and that's freaking awesome. We all are. Yeah, you're working. That's you're working. Great. And that's like work in progress. Like it's okay that I messed up. Hmm. I'm getting better. There's a, a careful balance. But I think if you can just tip a little bit to the side of that, like, hey, I'm working hard. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm not okay with that. But I am okay with that to some degree so that I can be productive in pushing forward. It's like there's that like it's that fine balance. Yeah. But if you can just tip the scale just a little and not go too far to the extreme, then you're in a great spot and we're all human. We're imperfectly perfect. Anti-perfectionist. Anti-perfectionist. Yeah, I like it. This is a great episode, Alex. You were really in the driver's seat on that one, so thanks. You're welcome. I felt I'm very passionate about this because I think it's definitely, it's something very small. It's a mindset shift that can make a really, really, really big difference in someone's life. I think so. It's made a difference in our lives. 100%. Yeah. 99%. 99%. Yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, the biggest difference for us straight up is our relationship. Mm-hmm. Is accepting the imperfection and that it is and will forever be a work in progress. And I'm happy for that. Very good. Yeah. If you, thank you for listening to this one. If you liked it, remember to like, subscribe, share it with your friends. And we really appreciate you listening. Catch you on the next one. 